welcome back to the Play On Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Stavros. Today, we'll be speaking with Michael Barr, Education Director at the Utah Shakespeare Festival. Michael Barr has been Education Director here for 17 years. Previously, he was a teacher of theater arts in Utah and California middle and high schools. Michael recently finished directing a production of Oliver at the Cedar Valley Community Theater here in Cedar City, is currently directing our Playmakers production of Once on this Island, and today we'll be talking about the importance of partnerships and communities in theater. Michael, thank you for being on the Play On Podcast. It's a joy. Thank you. So, uh, you know, it's, we were just talking uh, before the podcast started that it is uh, Theater in Our Schools uh, Month. Yes. That there's a great big campaign going on nationwide, and and uh, you are the education director of the festival. Uh, and you do a lot of uh, theater in the community beyond just festival education work. Talk about... Uh, what, why the festival is involved in theater outside of just our own stages and producing professional theater? Well, I think it's important to be a part of the community that you are in and that you're engaging in. And the festival is very much a part of this uh, community. Uh, I'm always amazed at the 32 full-time employees that we have here, but also the you know 300 to 350 um, people that come from across the nation. And they in a small town like this make a huge impact. They ripple out. Um, and one of those ripples as we are engaged in our community is that of the, um, the artistic community in here. And there is a strong and vibrant community theater program here. And I, I think it's important for, uh, for regional theaters, professional theaters like ours to reach out to those that are doing theater, uh, as well. And, and, I do it personally because I love it. It was where my foundation was. Um, I, I started as a young, oh, how old was I when my mom took me in at 10 years old for an audition? You were about 10, it sounds uh, like. Yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, I remember doing Oliver uh, as a young uh, boy and being a part of this really... Uh, um, really fun community. I mean, it introduced me to the community of theater, not just community theater, but the community of theater. There's something magic that happens when you are there with a uh, tradesman and Shakespeare captures it when he does that Midsummer Night's Dream. And, and uh, I mean, I, I really think he's uh, celebrating the work that he does in Midsummer Night's Dream. I also think he's celebrating the work that he saw people coming together. You know, that's why we have Bottom the Weaver and the Bellows member, uh, Mender, and they're coming in to do this really, really great work. And something happens uh, that Theseus comments on. He says, uh, you know, this is when this earnestness attends it. You know, there's something really, really great about that. Now, I am not speaking in a looking down the nose or, oh, you know, I can't believe these people are doing these these. These are professionals that we're working with. By that, I mean, uh, we just completed a production of Oliver uh, here in town that happened to have its tech week at exactly the same time as our touring production of Midsummer Night's <laughs> Dream. Uh, so I was running back and forth between uh, the professionals, uh, which were getting ready to launch the tour, and then the other professionals, uh, the community theater production. So uh, Ben Douse uh, happens to be a doctor in town. He played our Bill Sykes. Um, uh, Nathan, who I was telling you about before uh, we started talking, uh, he's an engineer for the roads department and he played Brownlow. Uh, Holly Barrick happens to play uh, Nancy. Uh, it, so there's something really fun when you get at the end of the day, and you're not doing this to be paid. Uh -huh. Somehow you're doing this because you, you love 
telling stories with friends and neighbors. And you love coming together with people and, and making this magic happen. And I advise anyone who's in the community theater, uh, excuse me, let me reverse this. Anyone who's in the professional theater should work about every one or two years in the community theater. So you realize what it's like to really be without resources. I mean, the festival <laughs> is always, um, uh, it, it takes money to make the great work that we do here. And uh, sometimes there are challenges with resources and we've got to get you know, more creative and go back to the well. And, and working in community theater reminds you, ah, this is what pure passion looks like. This is what we're doing a show and we don't have enough of a budget. So how are we going to do this? What are we going to do this? Uh, the other thing that I think working in community theater does for me as a professional is it allows, um, you're dependent on these people who don't have the resources that we would necessarily have. Uh, and at the end of the day, this is volunteer. They're volunteering to do this uh, and uh, putting their heart and soul. Uh, and there's something pure and magical that happens when when a number of volunteers come together and say, we're going to do this. Uh, you know, I'm committing my time uh, to do that. So it's, uh, uh, we had a wonderful time with this production of Oliver, a uh, very large adult cast, very large um, student cast. Uh, and uh it builds relationships. I mean, there are many people that I didn't know before, and I now have relationships with them um, that I didn't have, and they also have relationships with us. Uh, uh, they know the work of the festival, of course, and many of them have worked uh, in close proximity to the festival. Uh, there were many that it was their first play. They hadn't you know, done a play before, or they hadn't done a play since... They were in high school, and here they are, 32. They've got a child in tow. You know, their child is in the show, and they're also in the show. And you know, how how can we work together? Uh, and there's just a sense of community, and that same community, I think, is created in high schools with a theater program. You and I have talked about this. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Uh, I think uh, every kid is a theater kid; they just don't know it. Uh, that's my philosophy. And when I taught high school, that was my philosophy too. So uh, you're on the football team, fantastic. Come on audition. Uh, you wrestle, come on audition. Uh, you know, the theater is not just for the nerds at the other end of the school, you know. Uh, it, it is for everyone. Uh, and the more... Uh, members of the community, all of the different cultures that you have within a high school that are involved in your production will color and inform your production more. Uh, it will increase the size of your audience. So we can just, we can talk from just a uh, pure marketing standpoint, you know, uh, the more diverse members of the community, meaning, you know, different types of students that you have in there will increase uh, the number of people that are going to be coming to your production, going outside of your circle. <clears throat> but uh, I think that we as theater practitioners need them because they inform our work. Um, and uh, can we transition? We'll transition to play uh, Playmakers. So Playmakers is our youth theater ensemble mm -hmm. uh, where we have students age 6 to 17 uh, that pr uh, participate in doing these plays. We go out and we do tours of elementary schools. We invite the elementary schools in to perform in our spaces here. Most importantly, we have an audition where uh, anyone can audition and then we cast the show. And we generally do really large casts. Uh, this is small for us. We're doing Once on This Island with a cast of 40, but we've had, you remember the day of... We have a, almost 100 kids. In yeah, 100 kids in a production, etc. And um, 
This particular group that we have here, there's about half that have worked with us before, but there are half that have not. There's, there's new blood there. And I love, I love having the new and the veterans there together because, um, I think we sometimes take for granted instructional practices. Uh, mm -hmm. Okay, everyone come and do this. Oh, you don't know how to do that. Oh, let me, let me do this. And then they will sometimes um, ask questions or they will bring a perspective from the outside that we don't necessarily, um, don't necessarily have. So I think an art community, it could be uh, a music community, it could be a visual art community, it could be a theater community. When we just start performing t for ourselves or when we are just focusing on the niche click, uh, that's death to an organization. A community theater that is only casting those that did it last time and those that did it the time before, that's the lifeblood, yeah. that's what keeps it going. Now, it's not a community theater anymore, it's a theater club. Correct, correct. So if you're running a theater club, that's different than a community theater. Uh, and uh, I just really enjoyed the process we came out of, and I, and I think that same thing applies to the, why the Utah Shakespeare Festival uh, continues to reach out to the community, because it gives us opportunities to connect into other arts organizations and to other organizations that might not even consider themselves arts organizations. Um, and um, yeah, that's uh, art builds community. Those are the ABCs of a thriving art organization, is that uh, by doing the art, it, it makes the art. So the practicality of people from different walks of life coming together in a common goal and working, whether you're talking about a performing art or, or visual arts, something happens in that community, whether you're talking a small town or a large city, when people get together and Right. Work and share and understand each other. I mean, that crucible, uh, I love challenges. Uh, I look at uh, obstacles as opportunities. Uh, so, wow, we don't know how we're going to do this. What can we do? Do you have any ideas? Do you have any ideas? Do you have any ideas? And many times uh, the resources of the group are greater than, uh, obviously, that makes the, the whole. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, uh, so community theater has always been important to me. Um, that 10-year-old beginning that I had uh, then turned into connections with other community theaters. Uh, it gave me an opportunity. If there are any young budding artists out there who I want to be an actor, but they've only worked with one director, I don't think that's I don't think that's wise. I think you need to move around from group to group to group to group. Unfortunately, the world is not set up that way. Sometimes you get into that theater club, and uh, oh, don't leave us. No, you've got to stay over here and. Yeah. Sometimes you see programs fighting over kids or, uh, you know, building a brand and trying to keep that there. But I, uh, I recommend that any artist should work with multiple directors um, so that you speak all of those languages. And I think there's a uniqueness here at USF that we have as well. Um, every year we hire six or seven or eight directors uh, who come from all across the country who each do it a little differently. You were talking about this the other day. I was going to say that the, the value of learning the different ways, the different right ways to make theater or make art or collaborate or work together, that there's a life lesson in there outside of uh, the just but, the performing arts that you learn how to work with different people in different ways and, I know you're, and develop uh, interpersonally. Uh, I, I know you're the interviewer here, but I think you should. <laughs> I'm going to th throw it back at you. Uh, many times during the summer when we are stuck uh, in grant world or writing many pieces of paper or collecting data or that, um, you would go out. Uh, tell your story. So for our, I, I should have mentioned it in the introduction, but I didn't. For our listeners, uh, I got my start at the Shakespeare Festival in the education department working for Michael. I've since switched over to uh, media public relations and hosting this wonderful podcast. But... Uh, my crucible and mentorship happened uh, 
as a young college student while working for Michael. And during the summers and rehearsal process, uh, the nature of our work was such that I could take the afternoon usually, get our you know office work done in the morning, and then before we started teaching classes in the afternoon, I'd have some free time and I'd go get lunch and come back. And my pat my routine was to sit in the theater just at the back observing, watching blocking or watching fight rehearsal or watching the director's work. And every day, because of the rotation of the plays, I would see different director's work. And I did this for years and years and only much, much later realized how that was for, formative school. Formative that was for me watching Jim Sullivan, uh, you know, our associate former associate associate artistic director here at the festival and director of many many wonderful productions, you know, who's an actor's director and is right up on stage talking with them and very low voices, but really working one on one intimately. Nuance. And then other directors who and, and no no one is more or less right than the other, but you know, standing near the back to make sure everybody can be heard and really thinking about how this is all playing for the audience and and communicating with actors in a slightly different way. And then Russell Trays, you know, full of energy, you know, mm -hmm. a Muppet up there uh, and, moving about. And and being able as a young, relatively young theater practitioner to see all of these things happening all at once. Uh, was incredible to me, and I had not realized how important it was until much later in my life. Something else you said related to that made me think that you know, it's it's our educationally we're set up to be, you know there are teachers and there are students and teachers impart knowledge to students, but that's not always a perfect system, and especially in theater. Going back to what you're saying before about having new newbies and veterans all in the same production, that there's a wonderful sort of apprenticeship type that yes. happens where where less experienced actors or technicians have a real opportunity to learn from more experienced but, ones. And while we're not talking, that may not apply the same way professionally, but for students and adults in communities to have that sort of yes. master, a mentor, student, mentor, apprentice relationship that is completely outside of their jobs or their families or their homes this, is, is, this, is this wasn't going to be about uh, Midsummer Night's Dream, but I, <laughs> I love the show Midsummer Night's Dream and watching the rustics, which I think if you really take those characters seriously, the comedy comes naturally because of the humanity of the rustics and, and the, their earnestness and, and, and their earnestness and yeah. their, you know, the mechanicals, they really want to do a good job. And there is an apprenticeship that goes on there too. You know, uh, in our particular production uh, with uh, Alexis, you know, here is a seasoned craftsman and for some reason, he's stuck with these guys. And for, for some reason, he's he's not, he's a weaver, but he really, really would love to be this actor. And you, then you see Snug the Joiner, who, um, you know, they give him the lion. It, all it's meant is roaring. You know, you, you can do it extempore. Uh, and, and there's... Um, in many productions, I have seen, you know, Bottom taking Snug under his arm and, and saying, or under his wing, you know, hey, you know, come, come here, you know, let me help you, let me help you with this. And then, you know, they deliver and they're very, very positive with that. Um, I think USF, um, because of the depth of our company, you know, we have equity actors who are sometimes 65, 52, 43, 35, you know, how, you know. and then we have young up and coming uh, apprentices, uh, if you will, uh, interns. Uh, and there's no better training. And I remember this getting this training as an actor sitting backstage and having an in-depth discussion with Doug Baker as he's playing Sweeney Todd and me talking about the art and his craft and watching his processes. Uh, everybody warms up in a different way. Everybody goes in. There's, there's a real school, uh, that, that happens there. And that, um, I take that school very, very seriously. It's not a formal school. It's just, uh, there is, 
There are mentorships. There are proteges. There are. There's all of that that's happening in that process, and. Uh, uh, I think that happens in the community theater world and it happens really wonderfully in the high school world when you've got a senior who's been, uh, you know, working and has been on stage yeah. and has hopefully, you know how I feel about how important the chorus is. For me, the chorus is the most important um, character and, that, and and chorus could be any ensemble member, um, but the best actors I've found are the scrappers, those that have climbed up from the chorus and have uh, just learned how to shine uh, and support one another within that role, and then and work up and and I think Shakespeare's Company, you know, it, we have enough um, research that the scholars have have done that there was reflective things in those companies too that was very very similar yeah i think that i think like so many other professions this model isn't new uh and the idea of connecting individually not hierarchically right is uh, or or the hierarchy isn't organizational it's experience-based and that there's and Especially in a community theater when you've got, to your point, a doctor or engineer who may be an old hand at theater or may be brand new but is at the top of their professional game joined by well, a high school I, I, student that's done 10 shows by the time they're 15. Well, can I talk about uh, – so we've talked about how the mentorship – and I think when we think of mentorship, we think of up, you know, from those up. Uh, that's why the show The Dresser, if you've heard of it, is so fabulous because of the relationship you see between the two of them. But, but there's also uh, – when young ones come into the profession, whether it's in community theater or in high school theater or on, on the stages, there's also new energy that comes in that way. As Fred, who has been here in this organization and then passes off his leadership to someone else who comes in, there, there is new blood, there's new energy, there's new ideas that come from, uh, I, I don't want to use the word below or beneath, yeah. but... but uh, I've always said that as a director, uh, one of the mantras I say is, I am not the only, I am not the only conduit to the muses. Uh, there are other muses there uh, that, that, that are speaking, and there are other ideas that can come from other members of the cast. And uh, that's one thing I enjoy when, uh, that's why I love this new blood in our uh, Playmakers production, because uh, they will ask questions. Um, uh, uh, to bring up the recent one from Oliver, you know, little Andrew Barrick, uh, we're talking about the wonderful song, It's a Fine Life, and Nancy is singing about, you know, not for me, the happy home, happy husband, happy wife, uh, sometimes touches me for the likes of such of me, but it's a fine, fine life. So she's basically saying, I will never have that happy home. I will never have that happy family. And most people know the story of Oliver going through here. And uh, she's singing it, and I'm explaining to the rest of Fagan's gang that at this point, you know, we're going to be saddened because she is saddened and, and describing the behavior. And this young little boy raises and he says, why can't she? Why can't she be a mother? Why, why can't she have a happy life? And he just raised his hand and, and just... And it, it was it was a magical rehearsal that day uh, because you go why and I went oh you're you're part of the gang that's stealing here you have no mothers or fathers do you know why let's sit down and talk about this let's sit down and talk about it. and we sat down and again it shows that wonderful catalyst for learning that theater is uh, because suddenly they realized that they had their own story it's not just Oliver that you know is on his way but every single one of this gang have found the surrogate father in Fagan uh, but when that kid that little tiny kid 
Why can't she be happy? Why, why does she have to run off with Bill? Why does she stay with Bill? Why does this guy, I mean, boom, boom, just open up. And I think, um, when you, when you stop the rehearsal and you allow those smaller voices to speak, uh, I mean, it, it's really wonderful. And I think it's something we take for granted in the professional world. We do that in a table session. We sit down on the first day of rehearsal and we ask these great, you know, and we're able to have these wonderful conversations between, uh, you know, these great high quality directors and these great high quality actors with one another. But those same conversations also happen, you know, on the community theater level as well. And, and that builds... Um, philosophy and compassion and uh, just really, really wonderful things. <sighs> so, I mean, not that this podcast has ever had a call to action, but what I'm hearing you say is... Do community theater. There's something to be said about getting involved in that kind of art in your community because whether you're involved as a stagehand, as, as a technician, as an actor, as a singer, right. that being able to connect with your community members in such a specific I, and focused way. I hope this hasn't been uh, me just talking at and philosophizing here because I could tell so many stories about young ones who first, well, uh, a fun story that I think illustrates this. Um, so when I first moved to town, uh, was working for the Utah Shakespeare Festival, was really, really hungry for some type of community engagement. So we went over and said, uh, hey, you know, we'd like to, you know, is there a way that we can get involved? And they said, yeah, you want to direct? And so uh, we did a melodrama. We attached it to the Frontier Homestead um, Museum. And uh, we did, uh, you know, uh, as I recall, we had Dutch oven dinners and we did all that type of stuff. So uh, there were a lot of kids who showed up to audition. You know, they all, you know, a lot of parents brought kids in for this, for this melodrama. But I wasn't, I wasn't just looking for kids. I do that in my day job. You know, I'm, I'm looking for adults. And this wonderful man named Kurt Bostick. I don't know if you even know this story. I don't. Uh, so here's a history professor. Never been on stage before. I said, you know, thanks for bringing your daughter, but are you interested? Oh, no, no, I couldn't. Oh, you know, come on. Yeah, why don't you come here? Come here. Just, yeah, yeah. Uh, you want to read for us? You know, we're looking for uh, this uh, this hero. You know, can you read this? He had a wonderful um, Southwest Texas drawl uh, already that was an eight, very, very intelligent uh, professor. But he got up and he, uh, he started, you know, acting. And we cast him and we cast a number, drafted a number of other adults. Uh, that relationship has continued. He became part of our Wood Nose Symposium. He's now been a literary seminar director uh, for us. I never would have had that relationship, never would have found him had he not come to that first uh, audition. And um, so the call to action, uh, I've got five hands on my, five fingers on my hand. Let's see <laughs> if I can. Uh, so if you are not involved in the art in your community, get involved. You may have an interest of being, uh, uh, you know, visual arts museums need docents all the time. They're looking for volunteers. And if they say no, then ask somebody else. Uh, because I don't think a lot of times people know what to do with volunteers. We have a fantastic volunteer organization. And uh, Chris, who is our guest services, one of our guest services managers, and also is our volunteer coordinator, uh, she has been approached by a number of companies in the area. Uh, one particular artistic company came up and they said, how do you get all these volunteers? How did, well, we say yes. We find ways to say yes. What do you want to do? So you say yes. So number one is volunteer. You go out and say, hey, we want to help and get involved in our community. Number two, if you are an art community, 
Are you doing what you're doing to open up the doors? You know, are, are, have you made ways for your art organization to come in and be a part? Uh, number three, whether you're a school or whether you are a community theater or whether you're a professional art organization, uh, start finding ways to make art with one another. Uh, uh, I, I think it's easy for and the edu we have found that the education direct uh, the education department finds ways to connect into that theater. You and I have talked about when people say the Utah Shakespeare Festival, we have a lot of audiences that come from many, many miles away. But a lot of times, the strongest connection for the Cedar City area is the connection to our Playmaker program mm -hmm. or the connections that our staff members have out to the art within the area. Um, because uh, I know your friends and neighbors. I know my friends and neighbors. Uh, a lot of times they're not able to uh, afford the, the tickets, the uh -huh. prices that we yeah. have here. Uh, so we have special pricing and, and things like that. But uh, that number three, find a way to make art, uh, to make that happen. Uh, number four, what personally turns you on? What do you personally get excited? Now, I thought it was about acting when I was 10 years old, and I found out very, very quickly. By about 16, I really loved watching the way the magic was made. I really liked directing and specifically collaborating with others. I really enjoyed that. So find out... Um, <laughs> What I was not prepared for, uh, because I work in community theater all the time, but when they asked me to direct this production, uh, I was stopped in town and they said, oh, thank you for directing our show. I'll be doing the hair and makeup for your production. Who are you? I, <laughs> you're doing what? You're telling me that you're doing the hair and makeup? Uh, that, it doesn't work that way. Well, I guess maybe it does work that way. You know, I, I thought I had to put my whole crew together. And sometimes in community theaters, you have to put your whole crew together. Uh, and then I had somebody came up, uh, another guy said, oh, yeah, I'll be doing run crew for you. I, I didn't even know who this guy was. I had no idea. And uh, But I didn't want to say, no, you won't. I'm going to go find my own. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But by the time I got to Tech Week, I met a whole crew that just popped up. There was an infrastructure there and they came up and that's, they love working backstage and she loved doing hair and makeup. And this other one loved doing costumes. This other one, I mean, they, they all had, so you might have a personal passion. So what is that personal passion? You know, get, get out there and find it. And, uh, number five is, uh, make yourself irresponsible or make yourself irreplaceable. Uh, I just said irresponsible, but that, that, that too, that's also a good thing. Uh, and I just came up with those. I didn't have those written down. I, that was just <laughs> off the top of my head. Um, uh, but I, I really, I just, uh, love what, what art can do for a community and what a community can do for art and a forced intersection makes it happen automatically. You just have to do it automatically. Uh, now the joke side of it, uh, uh, and I'm talking now to my art practitioners, Paula Fowler. I don't know if you're listening, but I'm thinking of you, you know, while you're out there. Paula Fowler is the education director for uh, the uh, Utah Opera, uh, who sometimes listens to our podcast. But if you're an art pr practitioner and you're listening to this, uh, uh, there's nothing that makes me appreciate more the resources that I have here in my organization than working for an organization that doesn't have resources. So uh, I'll be sitting in a meeting, and, uh, and art is intense. Art is fragile. And we sometimes get very passionate in our meetings here. 
I hope I'm not sharing too much. No. And someone will say, we have to have this thing to do this specific moment on the stage, or we have to have this and we have to have this. They're just as passionate down in the community here. They just don't have the resources and we have to figure out a way to do it, um, do it that way. But, um, working on both sides in professional theater and community theater makes me appreciate the resources that I have here. And, um, and it allows me to kind of think outside the box a little more. Um, and uh, sometimes, sometimes limiting resources forces us to be more creative. Uh, is there a better way I could say no, that? No, that's fantastic. <laughs> Michael, thank you for being with us today and sharing your passion for arts and community and for uh, telling us these wonderful stories. Uh, thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Play On Podcast. Be sure to go back and listen to past interviews on the festival webpage. Check out the latest episode released every other Friday with your favorite directors, actors, and designers from our 2017 season.